I want to talk about coming alive in God as we exit a pandemic. And uh, my, uh, my, my theme verse, which will come at the beginning and the end, is keep yourselves in the love of God or keep yourselves in God's love. And there's two bits to that. There's something that we do, but that's pivotal on and conditional on something he's already doing. And we were praying uh, before the meeting and like, I just got completely overwhelmed with the love of God and that it's unconditional. And, and, and I'm like, it's un- did you know it was unconditional? And the love of God isn't something that just starts tomorrow or started yesterday or ha- it's been being poured out towards us for all eternity and it, it's unconditional. So if you're sitting there thinking, well, it doesn't count for me, you might be actually mistaken. If you have some ideas that mean you could be excluded, I have to tell you, you are mistaken. If you have some ideas that think that actually you don't qualify, I'm sorry to confront you with this reality, but you're plain wrong. It's unconditional. Any condition required, already fulfilled by Jesus, so we get to stand in this torrent of the love of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that is full of grace, kindness, affection, and affirmation, and encouragement. And it is overwhelming to the point that really you can't stand in it in the best possible way. It's beautiful. It is without taint or condition and is not manipulative or angry. It is the love of God. And did I mention it is unconditional? <laughs> Just thought it was beautiful what Simon bought. Now, the other bit of the verse is, is, is from Jude 21 is keep yourself in the love of God. So it's possible not to ever be unloved by God, but to be positioned in a way that you're kind of not really enjoying it that doesn't mean it's switched off it doesn't mean he stopped loving you it just means something positionally has happened inside of us and really that's what I want to talk about is how do we keep ourselves in how do we re-engage with that flow and and just want to give you some uh, help along that way the first thing I'm going to do because I'm me I'm going to do big picture all right some of you love big picture some of you like details details will come probably not with me okay If you were wondering what was happening to the church, like this church or the church in general, here we go. I've been reading surveys of the church in the West, and I would include places like South Africa in this, but mostly Western Europe, North America, uh, other places in the world, what's happening in the Christian faith and church is different, but there seems to be uh, a trend, and I'll explain it to you some very reputable organizations have done surveys and this is what they've found as we're sort of coming through and out the other side of a pandemic and what has it done to church and Christian faith. One survey surveyed over 4,600 believers mostly in uh, in Germany over an 18-month period as this pandemic hit and really trying to ask people how's their how's their faith doing? And in the first lockdown, which pretty much all of Western Europe had some sort of first lockdown, people's faith ticked upwards. There was kind of an initial oomph. But somewhere between 
August 21 and November 21, this same sample, which is a big sample size, so it's representative, quite accurately representative of probably the whole Christian scene, certainly in Germany and therefore probably Western Europe. Somewhere between August 21 and November 21, 21% gave up on their faith completely, citing waning connection to church through lockdowns and social distancing. That's over a fifth just switching off their faith. In the US, between April and May 2020, one in three practicing Christians gave up on their faith. The EA, Evangelical Alliance UK, estimate that about 30% or more across the board, all kinds of evangelical churches, there's a loss of 30% of, of members and attendance on average. So I've just painted a Western picture and I'm doing it because I don't want us to feel like this is all about you individually or us as Hope Church. We are part of a shakeout, a stress, a challenge, unlike anything the church in the West has faced probably since the Second World War and maybe before that. All right? So I know this is kind of discouraging, but stay with it. All right? I've got the mic for another 20 minutes at least. It's going to get better. But it's really important that we don't see what's happening with us in isolation because something bigger is afoot, okay? And don't start to think, oh, this is, you know, something wrong with Hope Church. If there's something wrong, it's wrong with Christianity in the Western civilized world, all right? Or there's something else happening. So I want to help us connect to that. Well, the other things that happened was... Um, Lots of churches did what we did, which was try and put their services online. <clears throat> and again, there was initial enthusiasm and engagement. So for the first four to six months of that, lots of people engaged with online stream services. And then that fell off a cliff. Pretty much globally, the appetite for that disappeared. And churches that did the best and individuals that did the best were the ones that actually focused on small groups. Now, we've actually experienced that very thing. If The people that are not around much or not around at all in hope, mostly, I would say 90%, were not engaged in a small group at all. There's one or two exceptions to that. And this is now a global phenomenon. So I would like to suggest that these statistics are telling us something that we need to learn from, because I don't personally want to be a statistic, do you? I don't want to be in these numbers. Um, and I think we're facing one of the greatest challenges we've ever faced. And we've had nearly two years of a massive global disruption. But actually, it's shaken something out in Western Christianity, which is actually quite comfortable and quite insulated. When you read what believers in other cultures, other nations face, yes, COVID has been tough and hard, but listen, it's not tough and hard compared to what some believers have faced around the nations uh, and continue to face on a daily basis. So the pressure has come upon the Western church to deprioritize church, deprioritize gathering for worship. And for some people, there's actually no sacred space in their life where they're making the sacrifice of their time to give God even an hour or an hour and a half 
just to worship him. Their life is full of other distractions. They're, you know, they're, they're engaging with social media. They're busy with their children and their families. And the habit of creating a space, the pressure of pandemic and everything else has gone, whereas actually we are those who are called to live as living sacrifices. It takes something. So the theme here is we have a responsibility for ourselves to stay in the love of God. There's some things that we can keep doing that will help us stay healthy and alive, okay? Uh, it's not just down to other people or other structures. Um, all right. Let's move on and it's going to get better. So I've come up with three things that we are responsible to do. So not done for us, but we keep yourselves in the love of God. The unconditional love of God, right, is there for every one of us. First of all, what we need to do is rethink and reconnect to church community. Rethink and reconnect to church community. What do I mean? We'll do this rethink bit first. Oh, gosh, help me, Jesus. Can you just pray for Jesus to help me? Because there's no way I'm going to get through this. And I really want to get the meat of it out before the kids go. Seriously, I'm asking for prayer right now. (laughs) There's a lot of chat out there about changing church. But a lot of the chat about church is let's make it smaller. Let's do away with leadership. Let's, if you listen to it, it's structural and external And if we don't actually comprehend the revelation of who and what the church is, all those adjustments are just like moving the deck chairs on the Titanic. So I'm old enough to have lived through various versions of let's do smaller church, let's get rid of leadership, let's do discipleship. And like, let's take example, small churches. I've seen it happen before. Lots of small churches just become the domain of a dominant individual and then they kind of shrink and become inward looking or they become incredibly successful and they grow and become a bigger church <laughs> so we're going to actually got in this series we're going to talk about small large it, that's an external measure that we'll miss I think God's trying to say something deeper to us than just how many people are in a room about the church and one of the reasons people have shook away from church because they've not understood what it is that they are joined to in Jesus. All right? They've misunderstood. They've thought it was a meeting. They've thought it was a show with worshippers at the front. They've thought it was something other than what it really is. All right? And we need to remember and remind one another and our friends what it really is. Uh, and so proposing external changes I don't think will fix the challenge that we face. I suggest that we all need to have a rethink about what God says about the revelation of the church, which is why I'm wearing my hoodie today. Thank God for this guy. Jesus prayed this. Okay, we're going to have a quick vote. I know we all pray and some of our prayers seem to be answered and some not. But who believes that every prayer of Jesus is answered? Three people. I think Jesus has a bit more clout in the prayer realm. So Jesus, this is what Jesus prayed for us in John 17. He says, 
he's praying for us. He says that they will be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us that the world may believe that you have sent me. Uh, oh, I'm just going to have to do this. The church is included in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Uh, a few weeks ago, Teresa was reading her Bible while she was making coffee and we, she brought it up and we had coffee in bed and she said, do you know what? Um, um, in our marriage, we are one. And we're working out that oneness. It doesn't always feel like we're one. We don't always understand one another. Even married for 42 years, we still fall out. But you know what? Andy, we are one and we're working out our oneness. We are one and we're working out our oneness. And our oneness is in him, not in personal preference or what we happen to believe or how we happen to feel. We have been united with Jesus. Jesus said that on that day you will know that I am in you and you are in me and we are in the Father. We're all in Christ and Christ is in us and we are all in the Father. And the person sitting next to you is in the same spot. Right? You have, we're so individualistic in our thinking, we all think about my relationship with God, but it's our relationship with God, it's actually Jesus' relationship with God that he shared with all of us and we're in the same one. Which is really cool because it's his relationship, he's keeping it alive, he's doing the heavy lifting. So if you just take a moment to think about your relationship with the Father, you'll realize that someone's sitting next to you in the same relationship because you're sharing the one that Jesus already established for us, that he's brought us into. We are one and we're working it out. Does that, does that make sense? Because we live a lie which believes that we are islands. Individualism has so penetrated Western culture that we think in deep inside ourselves that we are individuals that are building relationships with other individuals across bridges and we build relationships with the Father across a bridge and we build a relationship with God across a bridge and we have to build our bridges, maintain our bridges. You'll have even heard illustrations about relationships are like bridges and you have to have a strong relationship to deliver. But behind that is the thinking that you're an island and that you can exist individually successfully and you can minimize how many bridges you have and still stay alive. That's a lie. That's absolutely a lie. You are in a body and you're connected. If you sever your connection, you will die. You are not designed to live as an island. You are not equipped to live as an island. By your basic nature, that is a fallacy that Western culture is putting on us. The belief that you can self-actualize, self-realize, discover yourself and live a life fully in God is completely nonsense. We are not our own. There's some weird verses in the Bible, lots of them. And one of them says this, that... that <laughs> Oh, help me, Lord. Each member, it says this in Romans 12, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. All right? We, though many, form one body. 
Think about your body. Think about your arm for a moment. Look at that beautiful arm there. Served me well for over 60 years. That arm couldn't live without it, and it couldn't live without me. So we are in Christ. We are one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We belong to Jesus. We're not our own. We were bought with a price. But listen, each member and each gift belongs to everybody else. You're mine, Mark Spivey. I own you. That's what it says. Just, just look at someone near and tell you, you're mine. I own you. I don't mean this in a domineering, you know, kind of manipulative way. Just, we are so one, we actually own one another. I know it's a bit gangster or whatever, but just, just tell somebody. I mean, just freak them out for a moment. We are his actual body. The body of Christ is not an idea or a concept or an analogy or a metaphor. It's an actual reality that you and I are part of. Uh, And so we're joined and when we separate, we pine, we wilt and we ultimately die off. And that's what the statistics are showing us. People are, faith is dying because they have separated and not taken responsibility for finding a way to stay connected let me say that again people are dying people who stood in church with us faith is dying because they've not found a way to reconnect and stay connected you can think i can make it on my own i'm going to do this but i want to give you that biblical exhortation that he who stands be careful lest he fall there are warnings in Scripture about this kind of stuff, and it's important that we, we hear them. So how do we... I, I'm not going to get it all done, but one of the surveys pulled this out, that actually a lot of people that drifted off, drifted off and didn't reconnect because of offense. Offense is probably the biggest weapon the enemy uses to destroy the life of a believer and a, a, a church. Offense. Do you know what offense is? You're offended at what a leader, a person, uh, an organization did to you, and it hurts. And so you don't want to go near the hurt, and so you withdraw from it. That's offense. But offense separates. And offense is reinforced in its separation the longer you are separate. Because what you do is you talk in your own head and you convince yourself that you're right and it's all about them that they're wrong, yeah? Now usually, I've had enough pain in my life to know that it's not always all the other person's fault. That things for me to learn and own. And then we get into lockdown and we get this thing that I've I heard somewhere, I don't know where, we get an empathy deficit. Who had a crap time in lockdown? Was struggling with something, whether it was homeschooling, health issues. What happens is everybody is so drained and so busy, they don't have enough energy to look to other bits of the body and say, hey, can I notice you? Can I help you? Can I? 
And then if you're already offended, you're going to feel more offended because nobody rang me, nobody noticed me, nobody... Um, but the thing is, everybody was just about paddling hard to stay afloat themselves. A big... So I am not going to be offended at you because you didn't give me the love I felt I needed when I was really struggling. Because you know what? I know you were really struggling too. So this word reset has been around... It's time to reset our affections towards one another by forgiving every offense. And that will help keep us in the unconditional love of God that is being poured out to us. Because we are called to love and forgive one another as he forgave us. Because if we stay in offense, offense, there's no time to teach all this, but offense pollutes your relationship with the Lord. It doesn't make him withdraw from you, but it introduces pollutants in your, in your relationship with him so your intimacy with him is weakened and will actually die, not from his end, but from yours. Because you can't say that you love God and hate your brother at the same time. You can't say that. You can say it, but it's not true. You don't love God if you hate me. You don't love God if you hate and carry offense for someone in the body. Is this making sense? I want to release you from pain. If you're watching online, or I will not give you pain, but that means saying something direct. Unforgiveness pollutes your relationship with the Lord. It works against our given union with one another and reinforces the island mentality and takes away from the body mentality, the union. It makes us be in our little corner with our pain rather than realizing we're embraced in this glorious union with Father, Son, Holy Spirit and all the saints. Offense and unforgiveness leads to bitterness Bitterness leads to personal discouragement, leads to closed ears and closed hearts, leads to disillusionment and leads to loss of hope and ultimately leads to loss of faith. Not that God has cut you off, you just stop bothering. Forgive generously as the Lord has already generously forgiven you. You, we felt it this morning. The good news is God is on the move. I'm hearing it all over. I'm the privilege of being plugged into lots of places and lots of leaders. God is on the move. Small church in northeast of England decided to give the love of God to people around them. Eleven people got saved in two weeks. That's one story of, of many I don't have time to tell. But it's really important that you reset your life. The loved ones around you, you help them reset their life. Don't let them live in offense because it will contaminate you if you do. That's what it says about the root of bitterness. It grows up and it contaminates many. And it distorts the way you think because you put cotton wool in your ears and you can't hear what the Lord is saying with clarity. God, I had so many more things to say, but we're going to have to stop there. Oh. We need to realize if there's nothing else we can see from all this pandemic is our spiritual life, we are responsible for it. Other people are not. Other people can help us, serve us, but where we are at, 
is down to how we are doing and are we taking initiative to sort something out. And if we are permanently disconnecting, it is our job to reconnect or you will die. And I don't want you to die. I want you to enjoy what we were enjoying here today. The unconditional flow of the love of God in community. That thing we have only happens in community at that level. Because we're in the Father, Son, Holy Spirit dance. Which is what this guy talked about. Ask me about him sometime. We're included in the delight of God. The beauty of the relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we get to taste and feel that and pour that into one another and pour it into the world. That's what church is. Because actually he's included all of them in as well, but they don't know it. So we get to give them a taste and then they're going to want to be in the experience of being included, which they already are. That's another long story. So, I was going to have to say so many other brilliant things, but we're going to have to stop there. So, I'm going to ask you to reset your heart this morning, right now, before the Lord, and release forgiveness to anyone who's upset you. Get over any offense that the Holy Spirit has fingered while I've been speaking, and we're going to ask you to stand and release forgiveness to, to whomever or whatever has offended you. And I'm going to ask you to stand and recommit your heart to be a passionate believer connected to the body of Christ, not a laid-back lover. Not a back-row Pentecostal. There are no back-row Pentecostals in the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus is passionately in love with the Father. The Father is passionately in love with the Spirit. And Father, Son, Holy Spirit are passionately in love with one another. And he's included you in that. There is no back row. I don't like being prominent. You're seated with God in heavenly places. How much more prominent could we get? (laughs) So I'd like to stand and, 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 and just recommit to that passionate connection to the body of Christ and also today I'm resetting my emotions I'm releasing forgiveness I, I, I'm just going to give you a, motion, a, mo- a moment to do that Listen, the Holy Spirit, Jesus and the Father all live in you and they're urging you on to release the same forgiveness they've given you to the people that have offended you so they're going to give you a massive help right now to get this done so we're going to go after that first so <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Heavenly Father, I realize that I'm actually in a war for my faith. And I decide today that I'm going to contend for it and for the faith of my brothers and sisters. And one way I'm going to do that, Father, is that I'm going to keep myself in your love by generously and completely releasing forgiveness to insert a name, an organization, a leadership team, an event. And we say that again. Father, I keep myself in your love that flows to me so generously and completely by forgiving and say it under your breath. <clears throat> your name it, don't just think it. Say it inside your mask, one of the benefits of a mask. I release forgiveness 
I reset my affections today for the body of Christ. I choose to stay connected. I choose to develop my connection. Amen. Guys, I know there's so much around this, but in the 25 minutes that I've had, that's all I could do. Please don't get offended at what I didn't say, otherwise we'll have to do this message all over again. (laughs) Please hear my heart. Please understand, I understand that this is a big thing that's going on in the nations, but I don't want you or I to be a statistic. There's there's already potentially one-fifth of the body of Christ in Western Europe has disappeared completely from the faith. I don't want any of us to be in that statistic, and I want us all to be in a place where the prodigals can return. Sure, church has things to learn. Leaders have things to learn. But the answer isn't to blow everything up, tear it all down, and leave us with absolutely nothing. We're here. You heard it in the song. We're here to change nations, cities, believers, lives with the love of God. And that love of God only works in connection with other lovers of God. It's not, it doesn't count. It's just a thing in your head. You are deceived if you think you can be a lover of God and not be in a body loving other people that are lovers of God. It's nonsense. Sorry to say it so harshly. Deal with your offense later. So, Father, I'm just going to pray one more time because we need to close about five minutes ago. I believe we're on the edge of something really beautiful, powerful, momentous for the body of Christ in this nation. And I really, really want us to be positioned in that flow of the unconditional, did I say that, love of God towards every one of us, that we can simply position our hearts to receive that. So, Father, thank you for these beautiful people that are here. (laughs) Probably this is a message for some of the people who are not here, but never mind. Let's keep ourselves on track, uh, keep our hearts alive with you and what you're doing. Thank you for what you're pouring through our nation and through our church and through our churches right now. In Jesus' name, amen.